I was recently made aware uh, of the, these facts. If we could, yeah, here they are. Look, it is three and a half weeks until Thanksgiving. You guys are supposed to know what the turkey meant, okay? All right, let's try this again. And then it's eight weeks until Christmas, and it's only nine weeks until a brand new year, right? Nine weeks, we're going to have to start putting 2023. Uh, if we still write checks, we'll have to write it on checks, right? Uh, if we sign any contracts, you know, uh, otherwise the rest of us will be like, oh, it's like April or May, and we're like, oh, it's 2023. I keep forgetting. <laughs> but, but in nine weeks, it'll officially be a brand new year. Now, not to sound too much like Dr. Phil or anything, but how does that make you feel? <laughs> seeing these numbers and seeing that it's a short period of time away. I mean, especially those of you that, that prepare for this stuff, like you got uh, friends or family or you've got traveling you're going to do or whatever the case may be. Um, there's reasons that this creates stress and not always happiness, right? We talked about this in the thick of the holidays. I think it was actually last year talking about kind of overcoming anxiety and worry and things like that uh, when the holidays roll around because it's not always so helpful to just sit and talk about, you know, oh, it's going to be so great, you know, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. Yeah, but some of you in real life are getting stressed about it, all right? I would imagine, at, like, like for me, at, at least it did, I was kind of excited, but I had a little bit of stress when I saw these numbers in writing uh, that someone had shared with me. I said, oh, thank you for, for sharing that with me. You don't know what it's done to me. But stress hits everybody. We all have worry as much as we know it's not helpful and all that good stuff. It, it, it hits us. Um, I, I found a survey on purpose. I, I picked a particular, um, uh, a particular set of research, some evidence because of the time period. It was before COVID. Okay, so we can't attribute this to COVID. From the spring of 2019, I'm sorry, from the summer of 2019 to the spring of 2020. So just a little less than a year. Over a period of just a little less than a year, a survey found, a pretty thorough survey, found that 53 million more Americans would say that they are now stressed and or worried on a daily basis. So in slightly less than a, a year, from 2019 to summer 2019 to the spring of 2020, 53 million Americans uh, said that they are now uh, stressed on a daily basis, okay? Now, for uh, let's use some numbers. That's 21% uh, increase is what that is. Now, if 21% doesn't tell you a whole lot, let me give you a little reference point. The recession of 2008, when we were told to be worried, right? We, we, I mean, COVID came, we were told to be worried. But again, I picked this because it was before COVID, all right? 2008, we were told, be worried about your housing values. Be worried about your mortgage. Be worried about your interest rates. Be worried about your retirement. Be worried about your investment accounts, right? Be worried. The world is going to crash, right? And in a way, it got pretty, pretty gnarly. You want to know what the same increase was, the, that the same parameters were measured, and what the increase was? Okay, not 21% like it was in less than a year from 2019 to 2020. Three percentage points. So there's something going on right now, or actually even before COVID. Could you imagine what these numbers are now? But stress and worry is a daily part of people's lives in, in America right now. 
This article goes on to suggest some ways to combat this, to kind of cut it off at the past, to, to try to solve your worrying problems, okay? And to keep anxiety at bay. It, they say stay connected with friends and family through phone calls and texts and uh, if you've got the ability to do video chats and things like that. They say to exercise and get outdoors if you can. They suggest uh, meditation and they throw out yoga and all kinds of things like that. And I've got a couple issues with that. <clears throat> it's not because these things aren't helpful, maybe not all of them, <laughs> but it's not that they aren't valuable in some way, and it's not that I have anything against anybody doing I any of these things or that I wouldn't do them myself, but, but let me ask you, when you're worried about important things, you know, like, like your family having enough money to put food on the table, when you're worried about that, I is yoga going to solve that problem? I don't think so, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're concerned about... Um, having enough money to uh, just provide for all the basic necessities, you know, is getting outdoors or, or even um, calling up a friend on the phone or, you know, shooting the breeze with a family member that you hadn't talked to for a while, is that going to solve your money problem? Well, if they're rich <laughs> and generous. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, when you're worried about having a roof over your head, you know, mortgages coming due or, or whatever the case may be, or the house is falling apart, don't have the money to fix it, whatever the case may be, are getting outside and doing some jumping jacks going to be the solution to that problem? No, there's, there's something bigger going on here that these things may um, take, <coughs> take your mind off of it for a little while or something like that, it may calm you down, but it doesn't solve the problem. There, there's, there's deeper stuff going on here. So I want to show you a better way. And it's not my way, of course. It's, it's going to be the Lord's way. It's going to be from his word, right? Uh, I want to show you a way that works. And it doesn't just work. I, I say that because some people may be thinking, well, to be honest with you, like I'm so stuck in worry, I've kind of got comfortable with it. Like, like some people don't want to not worry, right? Some people it's not on their radar that I need to work on my worrying problem, right? So, so what I want to do instead is show you biblically why you shouldn't worry and why you should instead be doing something else because they're connected, okay? Make sure before we, this is the foundation that we need to set before we go any further. So make sure you hear this. When we're talking about this worry problem, it's not just that you need to get worry out of your life and then you can just be fine. You need to get worry out and be focused on something else, okay? Not just something in general. We're going to talk about what the other thing is, okay? We're not going to leave that in generic terms, okay? But, but worry and then focus on something different, those things are connected. You can't take them apart. You can't just not worry. You have to not worry and focus on what is most important instead, okay? And the reason that the Bible says you shouldn't worry happens to be the same reason that you should be focused on this other thing instead. And again, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes, okay? I want to bring you a message this morning called Valued, all right? Not, don't worry, be happy, okay? It's not anything goofy like that. It's actually called Valued, and you'll see why here in just a little bit. Now, I get it. We all worry from time to time, but it isn't helpful. That's why it's called worry. One of the definitions for worry is a distracting care. Okay, that's one of the ways the world defines worry. It's a distracting care. Okay, so if it's a distracting care, there's some implications we can make here that are going to make perfect sense, right? Distracting. So I have to be distracted from something, right? Does that make sense? If it's a distracting care, that means my mind should be on something else, right? So you are worrying when your mind is anxiously dwelling on something when it should be focused on something else. That's when you're worrying, okay? 
So, so if, you're, if you're planning something, if you're uh, strategizing something to take care of your family and all that kind of stuff, that's not worry, because that's important, okay? Worry is when your mind is anxiously dwelling on something when it should, in fact, be dwelling on something different, something else. That is when we're worrying. So I think that's an interesting concept, and that's what we're going to run with today. Not because it's the world's definition of worry, but because we actually see Jesus teaching this concept in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. We've all read this before, but I wonder if we've made these connections before, if we've ever seen that Jesus actually throws out this definition of how things need to be this way. You need to not worry because that's taken care of. Instead, you need to focus on this other thing. And right smack in the smack dab in the middle, we've got why. Jesus shares why it's this way. So this is cool because Jesus just opens a whole thing up for us to understand completely and it's going to make a lot of sense to you this morning. That's why I love uh, this message and was excited to preach it this morning. Okay, so let's read through the text and then we'll just take a few minutes to point out everything that I promised I'm going to show you there. I know that was lengthy. Okay, so jump in here with me to Matthew chapter 6 starting verse 25. Jesus says, for this reason, and we'll talk about what that reason is in just a second. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or uh, what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So here's my proposition for uh, this morning. Jesus is saying here, uh, don't worry, duh, right? (laughs) Don't worry about these things that you shouldn't be dominating your mind, okay? Don't worry about those kinds of things, these specific things. And you don't need to worry, he says, because you're so highly valued by God. And because you're so highly valued by God, you ought to instead be making the kingdom of God priority in your life, okay? That's where your mind ought to be dwelling. Everything else is a distracting care, Everything else falls under the category of a distracting care. So let's take a few minutes and let's break this down real quick, okay? First things first, I want you to understand that this familiar passage of Scripture that we've all heard, we've all read, we may have memorized parts of this or all of this at different times, part of the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this is, this is classic golden uh, Jesus text, right? You need to understand that this familiar passage is in the context of our need to focus on serving God. Now, I know that might sound a a little generic, but it's actually very specific. You need to understand that everything you read from, from where we started in verse 25 on, everything there is in this context that you, Christian, we, the church, need to focus on serving God. Focus on it. Make it priority. Because he says in verse 24, okay? Verse 24, right before verse 25. 
24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, he says. And then the very next words out of Jesus' mouth is where our text began, verse 25. For this reason, Jesus says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried. You see that? You can't have two masters. You can't serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Is not life more than uh, what you'll eat? Is not the body about more than clothing, right? All this stuff is in the context of our need to focus on serving only God, making him priority, okay? Everything Jesus launched into in our text, he said because no one can serve two masters. Can't serve God and stuff. You gotta pick one, choose wisely, right? <laughs> Let's talk about the most obvious point, okay? First of all, Jesus said, don't worry. Jesus, he just said it. This isn't something we've come up with and said like, well, it seems like Jesus doesn't want us to worry. Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. And he specifies a couple of things that we shouldn't worry about. He says, don't be worried about your life. And specifically, he says, like what you're gonna eat and what you're gonna drink. And then he says, don't be worried about your body, specifically what you're gonna put on, like what clothes you're gonna wear, right? But Why? I mean, why shouldn't we worry about these things? Don't we need these things? Aren't these the necessities of life? Well, make sure you notice that Jesus doesn't say that they aren't, right? In fact, in verse 33, Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. He knows that you need these things in, in this life, right? These are necessities in this life. And many people make their entire lives, though, about these things, right? A, a lot of people base their whole future on their ability to, to obtain these things, to get these things. They get a particular education so they can get a particular job. They may even choose a particular spouse so that they can lead a particular kind of lifestyle. You know, being able to eat uh, fancy meals out and, and stay in fancy vacation destinations and have a, a nice car and a nice house and all these things. And those are not necessarily all bad things, but the chasing of them, the worrying about them, the, the seeking those as top priority, that's a major problem. That's a big problem. In the grand scheme of things, these are not the most important things, right? These are not the things that you can't afford to ignore. Those are other things. But there are things, these other things, that you can't afford to ignore. And so at this point in our text, Jesus basically says, shift your focus. Okay? Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about this thing or that thing. Shift your focus instead. And he does that. Right at the end of verse 25, Jesus says, he's already talked about not worrying about life and body. And now he says, is not life more than food? And is not the body more than clothing? Your life and your body are, are very important, right? And, and sustaining that life with food and covering that body with clothing, these are essential for now. But honestly, does any of it actually matter if we don't have our spiritual act together? Does, does clothing or food or any of this matter if we haven't given thought, serious thought, serious consideration to eternal matters, to the matters of our soul, right? If we're not absolutely positively sure that we are right with God. Does any of it matter? What do you think? Nope. I agree with Earl. Hope you guys do too. Look, just existing or even existing with what they call a, a so-called high quality of life, it isn't worth the trouble to sustain that life if we aren't addressing the problems of our soul. Jesus is telling us, don't worry about these 
things shift your focus. And to help us do that, he throws out some simple yet profound illustrations that many of us are extremely familiar with, right? And these illustrations are meant to help us see our value in all of this. Now, you guys, most of you know me well enough, and you know that, that I'm not, uh, I don't want you to get one of these, you know, I am highly valued complexes, okay? But God does want you to understand that, that he loves you and that you are super important to him, okay? So don't overdo this and be like, oh, Jake's preaching one of those sermons. No, no, relax. I'm preaching what the word says. And, and Jesus, at this point in his teaching, wants us, is encouraging us, is, is illustrating for us our value in all of this. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. And he points out how they don't do all this work uh, to, to prepare and to provide food like, like we do, right? They aren't even capable of doing all the things that we do to prepare and provide food to feed ourselves, right? He says they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, they don't do all these things. You guys... You know from experience, okay? You don't have to read this to know. There aren't birds out there planting crops, tending fields, bringing in the harvest when it's time, right? In a way, they may bring in the harvest, but they're stealing from the farmer, right? But they didn't plant that. They didn't prepare that field. They didn't work on it, right? They don't do what we do. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Your Heavenly Father actually has set up a pretty, uh, pretty complex system, uh, a very consistent system to make sure that they're fed on a regular basis actually, right? Right? The birds don't go without, even though they don't prepare fields and they don't sow fields and they don't tend fields and they don't reap uh, a harvest uh, to provide for their families and for others, right? Even though God is still providing for them. God took care of that situation. And in verse 28, Jesus said, observe how the lilies of the field grow. So again, Jesus says, check out this illustration, right? L listen to this. Let me tell you about the, the lilies. Notice them, right? And he points out how they are also incapable of doing all that we do. He says they don't toil, they, nor do they spin. He's saying they don't work. They aren't able to sit and weave some materials together to make clothing for themselves, right? They are beautiful because God made them beautiful. They aren't, they're beautiful because uh, they actually didn't worry at all. God just made them beautiful. God took care of them. God added the color and the nutrients and the growth and everything they needed. They didn't weave together a beautiful set of uh, clothes or petals, if you will, <laughs> right? They didn't do that. God did that. In fact, I don't, I, I'm pretty certain Okay, <clears throat> I don't know a lot about plants or any kind of agricultural stuff, but I'm pretty certain that the flowers don't worry one bit. I don't think worry is something that a flower does. God just takes care of them and makes them absolutely beautiful, right? It, even though they can't do what we do. Jesus says, but, or he says, yet, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. In other words, not even royalty, not even King Solomon, the wealthiest, wisest, most magnificently dressed uh, royal uh, king of Israel. He didn't wear anything like these flowers, like, like what God creates to, to beautify them. He can't compete. He can't compete. So why spend your life and your emotional energy on these kinds of things, worrying about these kinds of things? But Jesus says all of this, okay? Not just to, to make a point where you go, huh, okay, yeah. He does all this so, to set up a point he's getting ready to make, a main point that he's getting ready to make, right? He wants you to see your value. He wants you to see that. Because with the birds, with that illustration, he says, are you not worth much more than they? Right, much more. And with the lilies, he says, will he not much more clothe you? 
These are both rhetorical questions, right? Jesus isn't actually asking. Jesus is not unsure about this. Jesus is saying, he is telling us, you are worth much more than birds and they're taken care of. You are worth much more than lilies and I will clothe you much more than them. You will be taken care of. These, these lilies, I mean, the, the grass of the field, all that stuff, it just gets cut down, thrown into the fire. You're worth much more than that. You're worth much more than anything else in the whole world. You are the apex of God's creation, right? Now, this would be a good time for me to pause and say that uh, technically, it seems like women are the apex of God's creation because when God created man, it was good. When he created woman, what did he say? It is very good. Okay, so there you go. Uh, I, I do expect some brownie points when I get myself in a jam and say something wrong later. Remember I said that, okay? All right, but in, in all seriousness, we are are the most highly valued thing that God has created. We were the thing created uh, for a relationship with him. We can look in scriptures and see our, our value. We see it in creation. Who did God give dominion over the earth and all that's in it? Did he give it to a fish? Did he give it to a bear? Did he give it to mother earth? No. Who did he give it to? Yeah. He gave it to, to mankind. We exercise that dominion. He gave that honor to us. We see value in his sacrifice as well. For God so loved the world. Now it wasn't the, the, the dirt. It wasn't the soil and the water. It was mankind. It was his creation. It was us. He loved the world that he, he gave his life, right? God came in the flesh. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Should have perished. Deserved to perish. But don't have to perish. What else did God do that for? Only for mankind. Only for mankind. Not even for the angels. Right? The angels who sin are, are locked in chains and they're waiting for, for the day to come when they're cast into hell with the devil. We're special. We're valuable. And of course we see our value here in what we just covered in verses 26 through 30 and, and so on. And after pointing out to us our value to God, Jesus says in verse 31, do not worry then. So we're back to that. Do not worry then saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing. And at the end of verse 32 he says for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Okay and I just realized that I misquoted earlier. I said in verse 33 at the beginning of the sermon I said in verse 33 uh, Jesus said that we um, that, that he knows our heavenly father knows we need these things. It's actually verse 32. Here we are. Sorry. <laughs> Let me correct that while I'm at it. But our heavenly father knows that we need these things. So this tells us it's not just that we shouldn't worry about these things. It's that we don't need to because they are covered. Okay, don't worry. Don't think you have to just get along without clothes or without food. No, your Heavenly Father knows you need these things. They're going to be covered. We're more valuable than the birds of the air. We're more valuable than the grass of the field, right? And Jesus himself said what? Much more so. He's going to clothe us much more so. We're much more valuable than the birds, right? So, okay, so... Seeing God's value of us actually frees us so that we can flourish instead of worry, okay? Instead of getting bogged down and paralyzed by fear and worry and stress and anxiety, instead of letting that take over, instead we can break out of that. We can not worry about that and instead flourish in God's kingdom, which is actually what we're supposed to do. Instead of worrying and focusing on these things of lesser importance, these distracting cares, we can focus on striving toward what God created us for. 
All right? With worry out of the way, now we can do that. We can't worry and serve God at our full capacity or even the way we should. We need to not worry and instead strive toward what God created us for. You guys, we were created in his image, right? Genesis 1, 27, we, we, we know that passage. Tells us we were created in his image. We were created for a relationship with him. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37, 38 shows us that, teaches us that, that, that we were always meant to be in a relationship with God. We were created to draw others to Jesus so that they could be saved and so that they could glorify him with their lives. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus gives his disciples that great commission, that great mission, that purpose, right? Guys, these are some of the biggest reasons why we are so highly valued to God because we were created special. We were created with a reason. We were created with a mission. This is powerful stuff. And look, I'll tell you, I'll warn you, I'll prepare you right now. The devil loves it when we don't understand this or when we don't acknowledge this or we don't live like this. He loves it when we worry and when we don't believe God. He loves it when our minds dwell on distractions and he loves it when we don't believe God when he literally says, don't worry, I'll take care of you. The devil loves it when we don't believe that. And the devil loves it when we feel like we're worthless and when we feel like we're ineffective. He loves it when we don't recognize what a special being we are to God. He loves it when we, when we think that we are incapable of creating any kind of real impact in the kingdom of God. The devil loves that. That is what he lives for. I mean, lies, deception, he's the father of it all. When he speaks, he lies. I know some of you think that's a certain profession, but it's not. It's what the devil does, okay? He loves when we don't believe God, when he thinks we're incapable of being what God created us to be. Those are the things the devil loves. But God loves it when we're not worried because we recognize our value and we strive to live up to what God created us for. Jesus said in verse 33, seek first his kingdom, right? But seek first his kingdom. Well, why is the but there? Because he said, don't worry about these things. You're so highly valued to God. You can trust that he's gonna take care of you. But seek first, right? Not this and then worry about all these other things. First means priority, Make that top priority. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that we talked about that you don't need to worry about, all these things will be added to you. You'll be taken care of. It'll, it'll be okay, church. Remember how a worry is a distracting care? Jesus is saying, this is what I want your mind focused on. Don't be so saturated with all this worry and care and concern. Don't worry about these things. Instead, shift your focus, understand your value to God, your created purpose, your mission, and focus on his kingdom and his righteousness. Focus on that. And all this stuff will get taken care of and you'll be doing what God created you for. Right? This is what you should be expending your physical and emotional energy on. The kingdom of God and righteousness. That's it. That's where it's at, right there. You guys, I'm telling you, if you haven't noticed yet, there is an exciting sense of responsibility here, right? It's not all just, hey, I am special to God. This is great. There is responsibility here, but it's exciting because God's created us special for this. God's just waiting for us to jump in and do what he's, what he's created us to do. And when we do, we know we're smack dab in the middle of his will. We're doing exactly what God wants us to do, but it's a responsibility 
Again, though, it's an exciting responsibility. But this isn't, <clears throat> this isn't some lofty goal. Like, like as a kid, when we, we wanted to be a NBA basketball player, we wanted to be a famous singer, you know, <clears throat> and some, of, some people do that. They attain that. But this isn't something that, you know, oh, you know, it would have been great to do this or it would still be great to do that. But it's a lofty goal and we doubt that we're cut out for it. This is actually big, but it's what we were created to do. It's what we were qualified to do. It's what God made us qualified to do, right? We just talked about that um, within the last week or so, didn't we? God designed us for kingdom work. God qualified us to become what he created us to be. Galatians 3.27 says that we are baptized, we're clothed with Christ. And Ephesians 2.10 says that we are created new in Christ, right? We are a new creation in him for what? For good works, Right? So that you will do those good works that God created beforehand. So that we'll walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 uh, says it like that. And, and you guys, your life was designed and created to affect eternity. Outside of time and space. Your life was created to make eternal impacts, right? You could lead someone to Christ and change their eternity, right? Your life is not just designed to, to affect your own eternity, but the eternity of others, Right? You could turn someone to the Lord so that they don't experience the fires of hell for eternity, but instead live in his glory. And it won't matter if five fluorescent lights are out because the, the, the picture of heaven in the Bible says that there'll be no need for lamp, lamps. There'll be no need for the sun because the glory of the Lord will light up that place. Woo, that's exciting stuff. We were created to do that. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation right? Affect their eternities. Share an eternity changing message with them. He's quoted, Jesus is quoted in Matthew 28 verse 19 and 20 as saying, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Go and make an eternal impact on people. Affect people's eternity, church. That's what he's saying to do. If you really focused on the kingdom, freed from worry, Man, what might you become in the future? What might you become in the future? There might be some future evangelists sitting here in this room. There might be some future elders in this room who would shepherd the flock well. There might be some future uh, deacons who would administrate programs properly with a, with a servant's heart. There might be Bible teachers, missionaries, mentors, church planners. Imagine if you started focusing on kingdom work right now like you should, without the distraction of worry. This is bigger than just, hey, don't worry. It's, 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 it's putting you in a bad mood, guys. This is more than that. But, but that's the future. Imagine what you could be right now if you started doing this today. Started doing this right now as you walk out the door with a resolute mind that I'm going to live this way. I'm going to be freed from these distracting cares and instead I'm going to focus on what I should be focused on. Imagine what you could be right now. You could be a loyal friend. You could start that right now. A consistent encourager instead of a discourager. Boy, doesn't the church need that. You could be a zealous Bible student. Maybe, maybe there's a little dust on that Bible right now. Maybe there's a, a, a lack of understanding. Every time you get all excited, open up that thing and then you're like, oh, this is why I don't get excited. I can't understand. You could become a zealous Bible student, hungry. You don't give up. You figure it out. You ask questions. You study. You, you phone a friend and you figure it out. You could become that starting today because you're not worried. Instead, you're focused on kingdom work. I got to figure this out. I got to know this stuff, right? 
You could be somebody who shares their faith regularly. I'm not worried about rejection. I'm not worried about losing friends. I'm not worried about come what may. But instead, I'm just all excited about the kingdom and what can I do to tell more people about it? You could start that right now. You could become someone who's immune to peer pressure. Young people aren't the only ones who need to hear about that. But you could become that right now because you're so focused on the kingdom that, that you're not worried about the opinion of man. You could become somebody who doesn't join in when others are gossiping or tearing other people down. Right now. Because you're focused on the kingdom instead of distracting cares. Just imagine if you didn't sit around and worry about what Jesus says not to worry about. But instead shifted your focus, understood your value to God, and began striving fully focused toward what God made you for. Oh church, what a wonderful, what a powerful thing that would be. Amen?